But anyway, if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and open them up to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I want to go through verses 11 through 16 today. I started talking about that last time I taught. Verse 11, I actually covered it very briefly. But today I'd like to go over in a little more detail. Uh, how many people are enjoying the book of Ephesians? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, I hope you are. But more importantly, I hope that you're being fed and growing more and more and to be in mature saints. That's what I'm that's what that's what the object is. So uh, how many people in here know that the that the that um that that's the job of the apostles, of the prophets, the pastoring teachers, the evangelists is to create mature saints. That's their job. And if you didn't, well you do now. Preachers are not supposed to be motivational speakers. I don't I don't have anything against somebody who encourages somebody that's not what i'm talking about but preachers are not supposed to be feel-good preachers they're not supposed to just give you what you want to hear that's not the idea that's not what they're called to do if a man considers himself or his ministry a ministry of motivational speeches or feel-good messages he's not a preacher he's not a pastor and teacher and he's not an evangelist as a matter of fact he's actually right the opposite of those things the bible talks about that remember what paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They'll turn away from hearing the truth and they'll turn aside to miss. So that's not what I'm here for today. I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings by any means, but I'm, not, I'm also not here for my own glory or to get an applause at the end of the sermon. That's, that's not my intention. I came here today to feed the sheep with what I believe is food for the flock. That's the idea. I came to do what Paul instructed the disciples to do, just as he instructed Timothy. To proclaim the message, to persist in it, whether convenient or not. To rebuke, to re correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. That's verse 2 in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Then in verse 5 he says, Keep a clear head about everything Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That's what he told Timothy to do. It's very, very important. So if you come here today to be encouraged, then brothers and sisters, be encouraged through the word of Yahweh. If you came here today to eat from Yahweh's table, then eat from Yahweh's word and be satisfied. But if you came here today for a watered-down sermon so that I could make you feel good about the sin that you're stooped in, you're going to be disappointed. Because I'm not going to make you feel good. I don't, I'm, that's, not, that's not the goal. I'm not trying to, trying to relieve somebody for, for the troubles that they have. See, in season or out of season, convenient or not, the teachings of Yahweh have to be taught. They have to be taught. It's, it's doctrine. The word teaching doctrine, it, inter, it interchanges. And it's, and it's the truth of Yahweh. It has to be taught. It's so important. So, so very important. So that's what I'm hoping to do today, verse by verse. We're going to go through five verses of the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to try my best to elaborate on those verses so that, the Yah that Yahweh's children may be edified and exhorted, fed and filled with the word of Yahweh, the food from Yahweh's table, and then sent home with the nutrition required to enable the body to grow into mature saints that will reflect the person of Christ. That's what I'm trying to do. So may Yahweh be honored and our efforts to grow in Him and bless us and give us the strength to mature into what He's called us to be. Let's read verses 11 through 16, and then we'll get into the particulars of it. 
chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Yahweh's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured for, by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the power working of each individual part. Let's talk about these verses a little bit and see if we can glean from, from the field that Paul's just planted. What is this small section of verses talking about? First, I want you to keep in mind the context in which it is written. We've been in this chapter for a few months now, and we've talked about several things. But the general theme has been what? It's unity. Unity within the body. That's, that's Paul's angle here. So let's keep that in mind. Because that's his, that's his reason for unifying what he unites here. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he's got on his mind. This whole section of verses, in a nutshell, is still talking about the church becoming unified. Paul is taking the time to tell the saints in Ephesus, in the first three chapters, 1, 2, and 3, why this happens, how this will happen, and what the results will be when it happens. This is the perfecting of the saints, if you will. How many know that we're supposed to be perfect. How many people in here know we're supposed to be perfect? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, Yeshua tells us, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And don't start shaking your head thinking, Well, it's, that's impossible. It's not impossible. It's not impossible at all. We all know that we're not perfect, but we're supposed to be striving to be perfect. The Bible says and Yeshua says to be perfect, so we should forever be striving and trying our best to be perfect even when and after we fail, because you will fail, you will fall. But even, even while you're trying and after you fail, you keep trying. And I believe Yeshua is referring to practical perfection, simple, everyday living, just simple, everyday perfection, meaning the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, basically the way you conduct yourselves on a daily basis. Yeshua is not referring to being positionally perfect, because if that was the case, we would all fail. We can't do that on our own. We don't have a say in our position. Okay? That comes as a gift from Yahweh. We talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Or really all of Ephesians 2, but particularly those verses. Our positional perfection is, some, is something we receive when we're made new in Christ. Yeshua makes us positionally perfect. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, it says this. It says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. In other words, Yahweh through his only begotten Son, Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, has perfected us forever positionally. Positionally. The debt has been paid. The wall that separates us from Yahweh has been removed. And now our position is in Christ. And we are made complete. We are made perfect in him. At the time that we believe, we're made perfect in him. So that's not what Yeshua is talking about when he says that he wants us to be perfect or that we should be perfect. He's also not talking about the ultimate perfection of eternal or eternal perfection. That's not what he's talking about. Because that's not yet taking place. One, it's been handled 
but not yet taking place. And two, that's not something that we have to do with it either. We can't do that on our own. We can't do that for ourselves, okay? You remember Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavens in Christ, Yeshua. See, that's a future accomplishment. It's, a good, it's as good as done, but it's still not done. Okay, it's not done yet. That's our eternal perfection. And there's another reference of ultimate or eternal perfection in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. And it says this. It says, To the assembly of the firstborn, whose names have been written in heaven, to Yahweh who is the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect. It's talking about eternal perfection. Once again, we're talking about a perfection only accomplished by Yahweh through his son, and it is still yet future. So that can't be what Yeshua is talking about in the book of Matthew. Okay, that's not the perf- that's not the perfect that he's talking about. It has to be practical perfection or experiential perfection, something that you experience, meaning something we experience from day to day as we walk through life and accomplish Yahweh's will. Okay, that's what he's talking about to be perfect. We are to practice Yahweh's will and become perfect in that. And let me say this: that doesn't mean that if we reach this practical perf- perfection that we have a shoe in to Yahweh's kingdom, okay? That doesn't, that doesn't mean that. If you get real good at doing everything and being obedient to Yahweh's commandments and to live in the way you're supposed to, that doesn't mean that you've got a shoe in to Yahweh's kingdom. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, Matthew's been teaching there, it makes this clear. It says, remember, remember, remember what Paul tells to Galatians. He says, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh or made perfect by the flesh? Well, the question is rhetorical, and the answer is no. You can't be made complete by the flesh, all right? We are made new by the Spirit of Yahweh and then are sanctified little by little. That's the process of the Christian life. So it is something that we should be striving for and practicing for always. That's the idea. Yeshua says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So I'm contending that it's an experiential, practical perfection that takes place after the new birth. After we've been born again, we start to become sanctified. And Paul mentions this perfection again in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. He says this, he says, Therefore, dear friends, since we have such promises, we should wash ourselves clean from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, making our sanctification completed or perfect in the fear of Yahweh. See, this is something we do as a result of something that Yahweh has done for us. This is the walk that so many people get caught up in and exalt themselves. But we have to remember this is the wall that we can strive for. We can we can become perfect only because Yahweh has done what he's done for us through his only begotten son. This is the wall that Peter talks about in second Peter chapter three and verse fourteen. He says, While you while you wait, earnestly strive. Earnestly strive. Okay? To be found with you know, in peace, without spot or blemish before him. In other words, strive for perfection. This is this is the walk that's commanded of us and expected from us. But it's not but it's not a means of justification. Rather it's a result of salvation and a reality of sanctification. Because of our salvation as a gift of Yahweh through his son, we are able to strive for the perfection as we are commanded. Does everybody understand that? I think I've repeated myself twenty five times, so I think we should get it. But uh, we're supposed to be perfect, but how is that possible? And this is what I was getting to. How is that possible? How is, how is our per- perfection made possible? 
Paul tells us in verses 11 and 12, let's read it again, it says this, it says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Notice in verse 12, Paul tells us the reason for the offices that are listed is for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry. That's what, the, that's what those offices are given for. That's the reason for evangelists and pastor and teachers. They're given to assist us in a practical perfection. Evangelists and, and pastors can't provide you with positional perfection. That's what the Messiah does, okay? And they can't provide you with eternal or ultimate perfection. That's Yahweh's job. So their job is to train the saints in the work of the ministry for the building up of the body, Paul says. The pastor and teachers and evangelists are to assist in bringing the church to practical perfection. This is the training or the perfecting of the saints. You, you may have heard the, the term before, perfecting of the saints, and that's what this is. Also, real quick, notice the word there that's used, training, in verse 12. Your Bible may say perfecting, it may say equipping. Well, that word comes from the Greek root word, kontarkiso, and it literally means to fully equip or to be fully grown or mature. That's what it means, okay? So that's Paul's angle here. He's, he's saying Yeshua has ascended, but he left behind gifts. He left behind for us men, men put into office of authority and leadership, and they have been given the gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry or to perfect the saints in the work of the ministry. So this is the job of the church or the function of the church. The purpose of evangelists and pastor and teachers is to equip the saints. The purpose of the saints is to serve in the ministry to build up each other within the body. So, Yahweh perfects the saints in three ways, okay? We're still talking about practical, practical perfection, all right? He perfects us in three ways. Galatians 3.3 3 says, He starts your walk with the Spirit, right? So that's the initiation. Yahweh's Spirit is put within you and He starts to sanctify you. Then Yahweh uses a second method. In James chapter 1 in verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. I was thinking about this when Jerry was talking a little while ago about, about his sickness. He's going through a trial. If, I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but I've noticed this. If you watch Jerry for the last three or four months since all that took place, maybe it's maybe even longer than that. Watch the spiritual nature of Jerry change. Think back. Not that, not that Jerry's not a spiritual man, but, but watch how much more spiritual he's become in four or five months, just prayer. And he talks about fasting. And he talks about giving. He talks about, I want to be right with, with Yahweh and all that kind of stuff. The trials draw you closer to Yahweh. That's just the way that, that kind of works. But he does this. He puts, you, he puts you through trials to draw you close sometimes. And maybe it's not always the same situation, but, but sometimes it's that way. So not only does Yahweh put the Spirit within us, but He also lets us go through trials to build our character, to make us strong and complete, enabling us to be perfect in our practical walk. So the first two things that are done for the saints are performed by Yahweh, right? The trials are allowed by Yahweh. The Holy Spirit is placed in us by Yahweh. But the third means that Yahweh uses to equip the saints is what we're focusing on today. The third way is through His Word and by the mediation of men. That's what He uses, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, it says this. It says, All Scripture is inspired by Yahweh and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, 
for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of Yahweh may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that's what the offices of the evangelist and the pastor and teachers and apostles and prophets were given for. That's what they're given for. The fourfold ministry is often referred to as a fivefold ministry simply because some people don't realize that two, the pastor and teachers, share the same office. But it is a fourfold ministry, okay? The fourfold ministry was put into place as a gift from Yeshua for the ministering of the word and the building up of the church. That's what it was put there for. He gave the gifts to men. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. The gifts that he gave were offices, offices for the training of the saints to build the church. That's the idea. Remember last time I taught when we went on, we went over verse 8 and uh, in chapter 4. I told you that when Paul quotes Psalm 68, he's quoting, for the Arama- he's quoting from the Aramaic Targums. And by doing so, Paul has Moses in mind ascending Mount Sinai and meeting with Yahweh and returning with the oracles of the Almighty. Okay? And he administers them to the children of Israel and he gives them to them as gifts. Well, these oracles of Yahweh were none other than the law, the law of Yahweh, all right? The law was given for the unification and the orchestration of a unified Israel. That was the the reason for the law, all right? The law of Yahweh is perfect in converting the soul, Psalms 19, verse 7. If Israel would have abided by those laws that Yahweh gave Moses, the community would have functioned as a whole and it would have been a light to all other nations just like Yahweh intended for Israel to be, to be a light to all other nations. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. But still, Paul takes the understanding of Moses receiving the law and giving it to the nation of Israel and he applies the same concept here to Christ at his ascension. And the leaders that he has that he has chosen are the gifts that Christ gives to men. So in the same way that the teachers of Israel were supposed to use the law to unite and educate Israel, we as leaders of the church and evangelists and pastors, pastor and teachers and disciples of Yeshua, we are supposed to use the infallible word of Yahweh to perfect the saints and unify the church so that we all reach the same unity in the faith. That's the idea. And the knowledge of Yahweh's Son. Growing into mature men and women with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. This is an incredibly important role for the leaders of the church body. And also for the ministers of the body as well. Okay? I hope everybody knows that you're ministers in here. Every single one of you. If you're a child of the Almighty, you are a minister. That's just the way it is. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it, you are a minister. Okay? That's, that's the truth. The church is made of many parts, and they are all ministering parts, none of which, none of us, are the head. You'll never be the head of the body of Christ. You'll never be. Christ holds that position. It's all his. It's not for us, okay? But all other body parts, everybody in here ministers to one another. You, can, you could think of somebody in here, and you could think of somebody that you, I mean, like, like little Ava back there. She's my granddaughter, but she ministers to me. She brings joy into my life. She does things like that. I think about Rosalind. She's, she's young, but when she sings up here, she ministers to me, and she ministers to the rest of this, this congregation. She has a role to play. Whether she realizes it or not, she has a responsibility to this body to help it function. That is, that's, that's part of it, okay? It's the pastor and teachers and evangelist part to make sure the rest of the body is equipped to do their part in serving, so that every part of the body functions properly, okay? 
So with that being said, let me say this. It is not the evangelist and the pastor and teacher's place to do everything in the church. It's not their job. Okay, that's not what they're, that's not what they're supposed to do. Each one of you are ministers of this body and you have a part to play. Moses selected leaders to equip to equip men so that they could serve. The same applies here. Pastors are not called to a profession. Pastors are called to a passion. A pastor's passion should be to see growth within the body of believers. That should be his passion. Okay? And when I say growth, I'm not talking about quantity, guys. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about quality. It's not a pastor's job to entertain the church. It's not his job to put on church functions or to organize events or to have a hot dog stand outside or to bring cotton candy in once in a while to draw people in. It's not his job to do that. It's not anybody's job really to do that. But it's definitely not the pastor's job. The pastor, His job is to educate the flock and to pray for the saints. That is the pastor and the evangelist's job. That's what they're supposed to do. And to equip them to minister to one another. That When Matthew gets up here and teach, teaches, when he gets up here and teaches, what he's supposed to do is educate you and your role that you're supposed to play. So when you're sitting back there and you're listening... And you and you learn you learn how to you learn how to be the part of the body that you are. That's the whole idea. And when you learn how to be the that part of the body that you are, then you can function as that part of the body. You minister to somebody else, just like the just like the hand feeds the mouth. Well, take the hand away, we starve to death. Okay, every part of it has to work that way. Yes. He's to bring the children of Yahweh to a full maturity in order to complete the the perfection of the spiritual maturity within the church. And the way he'll do that is not heaping members into a building and filling pews. The way he accomplishes this is through fervent prayer. That's the way that you do that. And education of the word of Yahweh. Being a pastor or a teacher is not about getting people saved or baptized or adding to the church. That's Yahweh's job. Yahweh does all that. It's not about getting somebody baptized. Of course, you know, pastors baptized. But it's not about drawing people in here so that we can just get everybody saved. Yahweh does all that stuff. The, the job of the minister is to educate, is to educate and pray for. That's what he's supposed to do. Being a pastor or a teacher is not about being getting people saved or baptized. Being a pastor is about guidance and education and a heart set on seeing the body of Christ fully mature. Numbers do not create maturity, nutrition from Yahweh's table. That's what creates maturity. So, brothers and sisters, when you come to Sabbath service, do this. And listen, listen right now so you'll hear that, okay? Do this when you come here. Pay attention. Listen and learn. Grow in the way of Yahweh. Grow in the way of Yahweh. If your pastor is doing his job and he's taking his time to stand up here and study, don't play on your iPhone when you're sitting in here. You're, you're part of this body. Pay attention. Pay attention. You want to serve your body. You want to be a Christian. You want to be part of this church. Then, then don't be, you know, typing emails and you know checking Facebook. Pay attention. Pay attention. He's done his homework. He's done his job. He spent hours preparing a sermon. Listen to what he's got to say. Apply it. Apply it to your life. Okay. That's what it takes for us to be a functional body. All of us have to pay attention. We all have to do our job. You have a job to do here as well, just as. Anybody else does, okay? In Acts chapter 6, 
there was a there was a problem with people not ministering within the body. Okay, in Acts chapter six, there was a it, it got reported back to Jerusalem that the um, Hellenistic Jewish widows were not being served. Okay, they're not being they're not being served in the sense of fed, all right, literal feeding, not not fed like teaching, but literally they weren't getting to eat. They were getting passed over. But the he the Hebraic Jewish widows they were getting to eat, and the and the problem was brought before all the leaders in Jerusalem. And when it when it was brought to them, and they said it wouldn't be right for us to give up preaching about Yahweh and wait on tables. That's what the leaders of Jerusalem said. He says, therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint this duty to. But we will devote ourselves to two things, preaching and to prayer. That's what they were devote themselves to. That's what the that's what the leaders were supposed to devote themselves to: preaching, ministry, and to prayer. See, the leaders of Jerusalem didn't get up, take off, and run down there and start waiting on tables. They didn't neglect their ministry to teach. Instead, they called the whole company of disciples, and they told them, "Hey, you guys, select some men from among you, so we can keep doing what we are called to do." And that was educating the people in Yahweh's word, so that they would know how to serve one another. That was the job of the leaders. So this is how the saints are built. These are how this is how this is how the saints in the church are built. I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy in First Timothy chapter four and verse six. He said, "If you point these things out to the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ, nourished by the words of the fa- by the words of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed." So the preachers are to preach doctrine, that sound doctrine, that's truth, and by doing so, they equip the saints to minister to one another in service. Second Timothy chapter two and verse two it says this it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You're not passing the buck, you're training somebody to do a job. Okay, you're not saying I don't want to do my job, I'm teaching you how to do my job so that you can teach somebody else how to do that job and they can teach somebody else how to do and it goes on and on and on and on and that's the way the church is supposed to work. This is how it it's supposed to be, okay? A teacher is supposed to read the text, explain the text, and apply the text. That's the teacher's job. They're supposed to use the word of Yahweh, the scriptures that were God-breathed, and teach it to the body. This is what makes men and women grow into mature saints. This is the reason that Paul tells the Ephesians, the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 20, he says, I have not withheld from you the whole counsel of Yahweh. He, he's teaching the elders how to be elders. That's what he's telling them. He, this is how you run a church. This is how you, this is how you build a body. I hadn't withheld anything from you. I've told you everything so that what I know, you know. It's not, it's not like you're given a gift. You're given some kind of revelation or you have an understanding in scripture only to hold it for yourself because it, it doesn't do anybody any good. If you know something, well, you already know it. What's the point to keep it free from, from, from anybody else? You pass it on, okay? That's right. He gave it all to them. He give it to them in totality that they may grow in order to become beneficial to the rest of the body. Folks, this is what it takes to measure up to the standard set by Yeshua. Practical perfection. Practical perfection. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. He says, be ye perfect. Be ye perfect. You want a command to keep? Keep that one. Keep that command. 
You know, that, that's, a, that's a little different than keeping the Sabbath day. He says be perfect. That means keep them all. Do all of them right, okay? Yeah. Do everything right. Keep your attitude in check. Keep your walk right. Walk right. Yes. Perfect in maturity. Complete in Christ. That's what I'm talking about. And once this begins to take place in us, then all the saints of Yahweh will be able to perform their ministerial duties for the rest of the body as it completes a function that is designed by Yahweh. Only then will we be able to reach complete unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Yahweh's own Son and grow into a mature man, just like it says in verse 13. But not only does this produce within us the ability to minister, or the ability for somebody else to minister. It also educates us in a way that we are able to recognize and reject the wolves and their false teachings that may come along. Look at verse 14. It says, Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. I know my, in my walk as a Christian, it's not, it's not very long. I don't have near as many years as a lot of people in here have. But I know in my time, I have seen and heard the effects of false doctrines and what they do to people. Okay? I have seen them firsthand. I've watched it tear people apart. And let me say this, it is a terrible thing to witness, to watch somebody you love, somebody you care for, fall off to the wayside simply because they followed something that was not, was not true. It's a terrible thing. If you love somebody, it's real terrible. It can, it can be incredibly heartbreaking. But Paul says this is why it's so important that as teachers we have to train the saints to equip them with knowledge so that when these heresies come along, they're not dragged off with them. We're not dragged off with them. Matthew told me a long time ago, he says, if you want to recognize a counterfeit, you need not study all the different kind of counterfeits. All you have to do is study the original. All you have to do is study the original. And man, that's so true. If we know and understand Yahweh's word, the original, the way that we should, then when someone comes along with an erroneous doctrine or a heresy, we don't stumble. We don't stumble because we know what it's supposed to look like. We'll see the difference in the heresy and the truth, and we'll automatically throw it away. And so how do we know the truth? Well, we should know it because the pastor and teachers are doing their jobs. They're fulfilling their calling and educating the body so that we become mature in our faith. That's why we should know it. This is our job as teachers, and our job is never complete, not ever complete as long as there's one person who lingers in here in spiritual infancy. Not one person. If there's somebody in here that don't know everything about this book, which would include almost every single one of us in here, if there's one person in here, then our job's not complete and we need to keep teaching. You need to keep listening, and you need to keep learning, and you need to keep applying it until you grow and mature and mature and mature. If you're a babe in the faith, there's nothing wrong with being a babe, okay? But if you are a babe in the faith, you are weak. You are weak, all right? And if you are weak, you're susceptible, susceptible to anything that comes your way. You take a child in mind. Think about babies. And we'll, just, we'll just use the physical sense of it. They're susceptible to everything. Babies come home or they go out and they get sick. Their, their immune system is super weak, super weak. So they catch everything. And when they catch everything, they give it to their siblings. And then they give it to us. And before you know it, everybody in the house is sick and we're all in trouble. Okay? That's the way that works. It's no different in the spiritual realm. The more mature you get, the stronger your immune system gets. Amen. Amen. But when your immune system gets strong enough, 
It'll be strong enough to fight off the false doctrine and all the crud that comes your way. When you're educated in those scriptures right there, when you study day and night, when you look at it day and night and everything about you is spiritual, and when you talk to people, when you, when you go out and when you come in, you dwell on the things that are in this book, you'll be spiritually minded. When I, when I teach, when I teach this, I'm just being honest. I'll just be, you know, up front with you. When I teach, I teach once a month. Okay. And so for about, I study, I study probably a month in advance for the sermon that I'm going to teach. But I don't study all month long for that sermon that I'm going to teach. And so the last week, I'll really cram. You know what I mean? I've got, I've been studied. I've studied what I was going to teach. I've got an idea. But the last week, I'll really start to pile all this stuff in. Well, the three weeks prior to that, like when I go home today, this is just general, okay? I'm just being, I'm just being transparent. When I go home today, I'm going to eat and I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to say, man, I'm glad I don't have to teach next week. That's what I'm going to think in my mind because, because that's the, that's the way it is. I'm just, I'm just sinful in that, in that way. I'm just being transparent. Well, those two weeks that I'm goofing off, I need to be right here. I need to be right here because the week that I'm studying and cramming for this test, I'm going to preach. I'm the most spiritual man you'll talk to. Everything about me, I mean, it's, it's all Bible. I know Matthew gets it because I'm like, usually on the Sabbath day, I'm really cramming in because i got to teach on the new moon. So on the Sabbath day, I'll call him and I'm all spiritual. Tell everything about me is spiritual. I want to talk about things like that. The reason I'm spiritual is because I've, because I've been eating from this table. If you want to be spiritual, then you eat from this table. Aubrey asked me something the other day. I won't even tell you what it is. But I told her, if you want the answer, get right here. Get right here. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to ask me. I'm, I'm glad to give you the answer. But get right here. This is, this is where it's at. You, you want to grow. You want to mature. You want to participate in this body. You want to be the saint that you're supposed to be. You want to reach the level of perfection that Christ said that we're supposed to reach. Then get here. Get here. You won't get it. You won't get it in the, in the, in the gas station. You're not going to find it in Walmart. It's not there. You're going to have to study. And you're going to have to put forth some time because it's not that easy. You don't just pick it up and read three verses and, oh, I feel my spiritual man today. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. As, as teachers, evangelists, teaching pastors, they're supposed to perform a role. And they, if they do that, then you will be educated. But go home. Be Berean. Study behind them. Because what you get in here is 30 minutes worth. You can't live. You, you, none of us in here eat once a week. None of us. We, I go. I go to the table three or four times a day, and then I eat a snack and ice cream, two or three Coca Colas, and everything else because I got to eat. I'm I'm a fat boy, and I like to eat. That's just the way it is. So uh, you don't you don't do that with you don't do that with food. Why in the world do you do it with the ministry? You don't do that. You don't do that. We need to study to show ourselves approved, and we need to use the infallible word of Yahweh through His prophets and apostles as your measuring stick and your guide for life. So that you that you'll be equipped with knowledge and not to- tossed and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes your way. Yeah. I've lost dear, dear, dear friends, dear friends, on account of false doctrines. I've watched them fall by the wayside, fall by the wayside, go from serving Yahweh to nothing in a matter of, in a matter of t- just small amounts of time. I watched them. I've watched them, and I didn't think they could go anywhere. I thought thought Yahweh had them. Okay, so it's it is important. It's super important to be equipped because. My children, I taught them from the time they were this big in the Bible up until right now. Well, they leave, they go off to college, they go out into the world and stuff like that. You don't know what somebody's cramming down your kid's right. throat. Right. You, don't, you don't know what's coming in out here. Right. So, the, so they need to be grounded. They need to be founded. They need to, they need to hold on to the word of Yahweh because that's the truth. That's all we've got. Amen. Amen. So anyway, all right, I'll get off that box. But um, 
Let's look at verse 15. We'll move on. It says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Folks, the two greatest enemies that evangelism has, number one is falsity, and number two is indifference, or being indifferent with people. Okay? The first thing, falsity, that's the fact that we don't tell the truth, and it makes us not credible. Okay? For many times, or how many times, has somebody asked you a biblical question, and you either don't know the truth, or you don't want to tell them the truth for some reason, especially for some of us who are law keepers, when you mingle in the world today, you're going to run into something where somebody asks you a question, and you just don't want to tell them the truth because either you're ashamed of it, or either it's going to upset the apple cart. Okay? So, so what do we do? Well... Because you're afraid to give the answer for whatever reason that is, you just think up something and you serve on that. Right? Well, folks, in season or out of season is what Paul says. In season or out of season, we share the truth. That's our job, okay? Whether it be popular or not, we stand on the truth. And if you don't know it, the most comfortable and acceptable, accurate answer you can give is, I don't know. It's the easiest answer you can give anyway. And it's the most accurate answer. If you don't know, just tell the truth. I just don't know. It's not wrong to be uninformed, but don't lie about something and then claim the Christian walk because, because you misrepresent those who are trying to be right, okay? Don't misrepresent us. You discredit the church by doing so. And the second thing that we do is indifference. Why do you have to be hateful to get a point across? Why do you have to be mean? Why do you have to be rude? You want to share the gospel with somebody? Do it like Christ did. He smiled. He was loving. He was kind. A minister of Yahweh will resemble that of Christ. And if we resemble him, then we should portray love and patience. Patience. Everybody doesn't arrive today. Some come tomorrow. Some come next week. So be patient. Be kind. We should witness to people with educated speech, but with all humility, so that the life of Christ is made manifest in Every person and every single one of us, we're all ministers. You be careful. Be careful how you portray your Lord because you're speaking about Him. We must speak and witness to people in truth and in love, not in falsity, not in indifference. We're no better than anyone else. No better. We should be portraying the love of Christ so that they will see Him in us. This is how we know that we're growing in Christ who is the head of the body. He's the head of the body. We have to grow into Him. All right, last verse. Let's look at verse 16 and I'll close with this. It says, From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Folks, this is the finality of the unity of the church. From him, speaking of Christ, the head of the whole outfit. He's the head of the whole outfit. You ever hear somebody say, I'm the head of the church? They're not the head of the church. No such thing. Christ is the head of the church. Okay, From him, speaking of Christ, the head of the whole outfit, from him we are fitted and knitted together to function as one complete organism, living and breathing, following the spearhead. He is our example. He is our power for our ministry. He is our example that we're supposed to follow. As individuals in here, we should be working as a whole together to perform the work of the body of Christ. When someone looks at the church, they shouldn't see a divorced, divided, fractioned, non-functional body. That's not what they should see. They shouldn't see a church that has 25 different kind of doctrines going around. They shouldn't see that. They should see a unified body. 
When you look at an organization where there's a hundred people in it and all hundred of them have different doctrinal beliefs, I'm not saying there's some up. There, there, there will be some misunderstandings of or different understandings of certain things. So I get some of it. But when you look at a body that has a hundred different beliefs on the same subject, that's not a solid foundation. Yeah. Somebody's wrong right there. You know, you, you should be able to see they don't have anything together. If you know anything about the Scriptures, if you know that it's supposed to function as one whole corporate body, and that's the way it's supposed to function, then it should be solid all the way through it. We should speak the same things. We should look the same way. We should act the same way. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's living and breathing. It's living and breathing, okay? This is an organism that functions as a whole. Well-trained, loving, compassionate, dedicated, and practically perfect in our maturity. That's what they should see. Serving and ministering to all men. Working and serving as Yahweh has called us in order that we might glorify Him, that He might be glorified. Brothers and sisters, let's function corporately and like-minded. Just as the disciples were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, gathered together in one accord, so should we be. So should we be. If each of us functions in our individual parts correctly, if we will promote, we will promote the growth of the body for building up itself in love. And we will become more and more and more mature saints, just like we're supposed to be. All right, let's pray. Yahweh Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your compassion, your mercy, your goodness, Father. Thank you for the apostles, the prophets, the pastor and teachers, the evangelists. Thank you for the ministry that Christ has given us so that we may educate the the body and the body may nourish itself within itself. Father, I thank you for your perfect plan. Everything works just like like you want it to if we'll just follow your instruction. So, Father, help us to be diligent, to be perfect, just like you're perfect. Father, help us to keep that command. Help us to be to pay attention to our walk, to correct the things that we can correct. And Father, I pray that you help us in the areas where we struggle. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for your son, all that he's done for us, the price that he's paid so that we are who we are. Father, I give you praise for that. I lift you up. I honor you today. We ask all these things in your holy son's name. Amen.